0: Hello and welcome back to Copy Trader. Or I should say, I am the one who is coming back to Copy Trader because I believe a lot of people have been wondering where I have been. Because it's been four weeks or more since I uploaded an episode of Copy Trader. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people have been asking, What's going on with the podcast? Well, the podcast is still on. I have been very busy. I held an event back in October, a Zoom event, which was uh, titled Stock Market Essentials. So that event was scheduled for three weekends, but I ended up delivering all the content in two weekends. So two Saturdays of uh, three hour sessions. The sessions were originally planned to be two hours. So if there were two hours, I would have had to spend three weekends. So I spent three hours and finished in two weekends. So that was back in October. So that's what I've been doing. After the event, the event was recorded and there was a lot of, um, uh, there were lots of participants there. Good for them. It was free, by the way. And then the video has been edited. And it's been packaged into a course. And that course is available on my website. My website is www.tokode.com. That's T-O-K-O-D-E. T for Tango, O for Oscar, K for Kero, O for Oscar, D for Delta, E for com. And if you get to the website, which I am looking at right now, you scroll down, you'll see just above the contact form there's a green banner that says stock market essentials so the video has been divided into two part one is the beginner course part two is the intermediate course and at the top of the website if you click on pricing it takes you to the pricing page and you can see the contents of the course Part one is the trading and investing basics. This is for absolute beginners, people who are new to trading, don't know anything about trading or investing or the stock market. I start by introducing the concept of the global market. There is a global market. You have the Forex or foreign exchange market, the bond market, commodities market, and of course the stock market. And after ex- introducing that concept, I went on to explain the difference between a trader and an investor. It's very important for a new trader to know what exactly they are doing in the market. Are you trading or investing? Whichever one you are will have a great influence on the, on the way or the activities you carry out in the market. It doesn't have any bearing on your performance, but it will inform the actions you will be taking. Then I moved on to macroeconomic analysis. When approaching the market, you want to take a top-down approach. Start from the overall economy. I went through the different economic indicators, what they mean, explain the business cycle, how the business cycle overlaps with the market cycle and what to expect in each of these cycles very very useful information to have i also gave some resources where they can find information all in that course and then finally for part one i introduced fundamental analysis how do you make sense of the financial statements of a company i went through all of that i didn't really explain what each of those matrices mean, like uh, price-to-earnings ratio, um, uh, price-to-book or book ratio, PE ratio. I didn't really define them because anybody can easily check up what they mean online. But I introduced the concept and how you view these different ratios for each of the companies you're interested in and how to make sense of them. So that's the part one of the course. It's available on the website. That's just $1.99. It's not really, not really charging for that. It's just to ensure that only those who are interested are purchasing the course or taking part in the course. The second part is where I now introduce technical analysis and price action. I personally, I am mostly a technician. I do use macroeconomic analysis and fundamental analysis, but most of my work is technical. So in the intermediate course, I introduce supply and demand. To the expert, eye, you can easily spot where buyers and sellers are on a chart. To the beginner, it's not always very clear. So how do you find an area of underneath demand? that is where buyers are or an area of overhead supply where sellers are i explained that and then i went into dow theory a lot of the theories you see in technical analysis they really stem from dow theory dow theory is the fundamental so i explained it and then moved on to chart patterns gave them resources where they can find different chart patterns and how to trade them, especially Thomas Bukowski's websites and his books. And then I went into market breadth, very important. And then I explained confluence, sentiment and divergence, which sentiment um, surveys should you be using? There are lots of sentiment surveys they are not equally useful. So you need to find the ones that are the most important. And then I explained divergence. And then we ended with relative strength, very important concepts that a lot of people don't talk about. I didn't really go into indicators, technical indicators, because that's not really what uh, this course was all about. You can easily check online to see how to use any technical indicator but technical trading is not really about technical indicators there are some fundamental concepts that need to be understood so those concepts were covered in part two and that's only 1999 on the website so apart from the course or the zoom events which I organized which is now over after the zoom events you know I was really really stressed Uh, not stressed but exhausted so i had to take some time off and after that i had to redesign the website because i had to add some new content and features to the website and there is another price or product what should i call this now yeah it's a service not a product on the website on the pricing page it's the s px trend follower this is a subscription based uh, service this is $199.99 per year so if you break that down into 12 months that's about $16 a month not that expensive and this is the service I offer to subscribers it's the service that gives you signals for the S&P 500 Now these signals are for trend following, not for trading, not for investing. Well, you can use it for position trading, but this is for trend followers, those who are following the trends. And there is a 30-day free trial available. In that trial, depending on how the market moves, you might get some signals, you might not it gives you an understanding of what it looks like how to use it and if you're fortunate there might be some useful signals during that trial so there will be long signals signals to buy take profit signals that's when to get out of your position short signals when to shut the market at a sell. and these signals will be notified by email so you get the email notification and then you come to the website to view the signal So those are the products and services on the website. So that's what I've been doing all this while. I wasn't just slouching away, I was actually very busy. The website is now complete, looks pretty neat. And you can also find links to the podcast at the bottom of the website. So I will highly recommend those who are new to the market to take the course or those who want to sign up for the SPX signals service to actually take the course have an understanding of how the market works and be able to interpret what you see on the chart that will help you with the subscription service a lot of people have now been copying me after that event and that's very good But for today's podcast, let's get into the market. Now I'm going to start by looking at the global market, not just the US market. And I'm going to use the relative rotation graph for that. This chart on my screen, which the video uh, listeners can see, can't really see this on the podcast, but you can easily access it. It's an RRG chart of the global sectors. What I'm trying to find out here is from a broader point of view, that is looking at the global market as a whole global stock market, which sectors are doing well. And then I want to narrow that down to different regions. And then I will narrow that down to different industries in the U.S. And then I have, I'm comparing them to the S&P 500. Because if you want to beat the S&P 500, you need to buy assets that are outperforming the S&P 500. Now, looking at this RRG chart, it's very clear that There are two sectors in the leading quadrant. And those sectors are, let me just highlight them. The global consumer discretionary sector. That's not surprising. Consumer discretionary has been doing so well, so well, not just globally, but in most stock markets in the U.S. stock market. The discretionary sector is doing so well, and it's the same on the global stage. So right now, it is the farthest to the right, so it has the highest relative strength. It's losing a bit of momentum. Yeah, I can see it's been it's been dropping. Um, it's been dropping a lot. You can see, just falling from a very substantial height down to where it is at the moment. So its momentum is almost the same as that of the S&P 500, but it's still above. So that's the best performing sector globally. And it makes sense. There is a slowing If you look at the chart of stocks like Amazon, um, Shopify, Mercado, Libre, um, JD, you'll see that they have all been in a consolidation range for a while. That's the loss of momentum that is reflecting on this chart. The second best performing sector is industrials. Which is not surprising, because if you've been watching the market recently, you will notice there was some sort of rotation out of tech. And that rotation also, uh, there was a little bit of rotation out of consumer discretionary as well. Now, where did all that capital go? Most of it went into industrials, the airlines. Not just airlines, but all these cyclical stocks. They all got a bead. So it's not just in the US. This is is what is so useful about this analysis. It's happening globally. Industrials, have been seeing a lot of capital rotating into them consumer discretionary has been the best performer but it's slowing down momentum these two sectors are still the best performing sectors and if you want to check that on the chart global consumer discretionary is it has the ticker rxi rxi i'm just going to pull up that chart to look at what it looks like Yeah, this is it. You can see long, very strong trend to the upside. It looks very much like the S&P 500, but it's doing a lot better. Higher highs and higher lows. So it's formed a swing high. That's on the 9th of November. And it's kind of trying to decide what to do at the moment. It hasn't formed a lower low. It's still in the process. So it remains to be seen what what price action is going to do. But this is a very, very bullish chart. Very bullish chart. Clear higher highs and higher lows being formed. And industrials is EXI. EXI looks very much like RXI but not as strong a trend as RxR, not that strong. And this is very good. So discretionaries and industrials, two important sectors that are doing well on the global stage. Now, let me move on to the different regions, see how they've been performing. I'm trying to view different regions, like the frontier market, emerging market, the African market, and so on and so forth. Which regions are the best performing relative to the S and P 500? I want to determine that using the RRG, so I can see. The frontier market is in the leading quadrant. It has the highest momentum. It's way up in the chart. and margin Asia Pacific is also doing well. That's GMF, if you're looking for the ticker, GMF. Frontier market is FM. So, uh, GMF has the greatest relative strength but not the highest momentum. Frontier market has the highest momentum, but not the greatest relative strength. There are some other ones that are doing well. Emerging markets Asia. I'm not quite sure which countries are in that basket. And then the BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China. A lot of these emerging markets are doing well because they contain a lot of Chinese stocks. It's most, when you see emerging markets, it's mostly China. And emerging markets, EEM, also doing well. Usually when the dollar falls, emerging markets does well. So it could be something to do with the, the fall of the dollar. And the African market, also in the leading quadrant. Markets that are not doing so well are... Southeast Asia, Latin America, ILF, not doing too well. EAFE, I believe that is EAFE. Let me check. I think that is Europe. Mm, can't really remember what it is again. But I know it's, I think it's developed world. Nordic region has lost a lot of momentum. Relative strength is great, but has lost a lot of momentum. It's in the weakening quadrant. Europe is the worst performer. VGK. It's in the lagging quadrant. You don't invest in Europe right now. So, regionally, frontier markets, countries like Kazakhstan, Qatar. Nigeria, all those kinds of markets. These are the frontier markets, high momentum. Something is up with that market. Let's take a look at the chart FM. Right. This is the frontier market. It's been in this steady uptrend since the low in March. It's been going up and up and up and up, and then it got to a point in september it began to consolidate and then on the 5th of october it broke out of that consolidation and here it goes it goes up pulls back down to retest that level at 25 and it bounced up again forming a higher high right now it looks like it's forming a very small flag so that's frontier market doing very well and then GMF, emerging, emerging Asia Pacific GMF. Look at that. That's a very, that's a very bullish chart. It's doing even better than than consumer discretionary sector, and that looks like if I switch to the weekly. That's an all time high. Yes, an all time high. So that's a very good area to invest in. Emerging Asia Pacific. Asia Pacific, I'm I'm thinking that sounds like the Far East, but I'm not so sure about that. Low, sorry, higher lows and higher highs. Formed an all-time high 9th of November. Very positive chart. Now, moving on to, let me drag this to the right. Oh, I can't move it. I'm trying to move this control that's preventing me from. All right, I'm going to minimize. Okay, that's better. Yeah, I was, there was this control obstructing my tab. Now, let's take a look art different industries not industries per se or different groups within the u.s is it a u.s market no it's the global market different industries in the global market i want to see which industries are doing well not sectors now clearly consumer discretionary is the best performing sector globally and in the u.s how about the industries there is one industry that stands out it's so far to the right that's incredibly high relative strength compared to the SPX and that's the solar energy industry ticker is tan all the others are just clustered somewhere in the left, and it's so far on its own on the right, TAN. But it's been losing a lot of momentum. I guess it's consolidating as well. Let's take a look at the chart for TAN. Taking a look at this chart, so bullish. Look at that. So bullish. Currently consolidating in a range. Trying to break out like most assets did on 9th of November when they gapped up high and sold off. So, until this consolidation, it's been doing so well. This consolidation here is the reason why it has lost a lot of momentum over the past five weeks. Momentum has just dropped. Now, which stocks are in this? ETF. I think it's stocks like RUN, SEDG, ENPH, all those solar energy stocks. They are the ones that are here. Let me quickly have a look. See, I'm going to bring up Coifin because Coifin shows me the holdings. Close this. T A N. Holdings. So you have Enphase Energy, ENPH, Solar Edge, SEDG, Xinyi Solar Holdings. That's in China, Hong Kong. Fest Solar, Jinko Solar, Sunrun, Daco New Energy, SunPower, Canadian Solar. Yeah, those are those are the stocks. Those are the stocks and within that group Sunrun has the most momentum and face has the greatest weighting. This is based on Friday. Not over not over the week, but over the past week. It's been let me go back to my relative rotation graph over the past week, this group has been doing so well. There's another group doing well, and that's the lithium ETF. These are, these are mostly, you would expect this would be lithium minus. I think there are some miners here, but there are also some consumer discretionary stocks in here, like I believe Tesla is one of the groups, one of the stocks in LIT because they use lithium batteries and C. So that's the miner. Albemarle Cop, ALB. And you have Panasonic, that's in Japan. So these groups or these um, ETFs I'm looking at, they are basically a they are they're etfs that have stocks from all over the world which belong in the same industry so it's a very good way to view how stocks from all over the the, the globe are contributing to the performance of a specific industry Let me see those holdings again. You have LG Chemical Limited. Tesla is one of the stocks in there. Tesla has a 3.75 weighting. Tesla hasn't been doing too well lately, so it's not having much of an impact. And you've got all these companies that you will not find on your broker easily. I'm pretty sure there's no Japanese stocks on Etoro. You have some Chinese stocks there, lots of Chinese, Korean stocks, LG's Korean, um, and some Hong Kong stocks. So TAN Solar Energy doing very well. Currently consolidating, but this consolidation will not last forever. So once the market breaks out. This consolidation we're seeing in the market can be seen across the globe, across sectors, across industries. There are very few stocks that are breaking out at the moment. Stocks are advancing as I'm going to show when I get to market breadth. They're advancing, but they're not breaking out. And the reason they're advancing is there is a rotation out of these high performers into the poor performers. That's why a lot of stocks are advancing, but the index or the market as a whole is not really going anywhere. The next best performer is FAN. That's the global wind energy sector. It's doing so well, that's it right there, FAN. Let me see what the chart looks like, F-A-N. Beautiful chart. Look at that, higher highs and higher lows. Consolidation here, breaks out, consolidates, breaks out, pulls back, retests the support at 17, and breaks out, I think, two weeks ago. Now it's, it's pausing a little bit, losing some momentum. That's why, that's why it's looking flat here, but it's heading in the northeast direction, which is good. TAN is falling to the southeast, which is, well, not too bad. What you don't want to see is for the stock or the asset to be heading in the southwest direction. So lithium is heading in the right direction. Sorry, L-I-T, not lithium. So TAN, L-I-T-F-A-N, fantastic groups to watch. Those are the groups to watch. GDX, gold miners, heading in the wrong direction. From the weakening quadrant, it's heading into the lagging quadrant. Gold has, a lot of people expect gold to do well, but it hasn't been doing well. Now, as a technician, the reason is not important it's what's happening that is important so that's the top-down approach from a global perspective down to regional perspective down to global industries now I want to take a look at price action let's start with Bitcoin Bitcoin everybody's been talking about Bitcoin and for good reason Bitcoin has Bitcoin was in a range. A lot of people don't seem to realize that. Here's the log chart of Bitcoin. You can see there's a range there from 3, no, is that, yeah, that's 3,100 at the lower level to 20,000 at the upper level. That's the range that's been in. And if you look closely, You'll see that price just broke above 13,000, which was the prior high back in June 2019. I think it touched 14,000 at some point. Yeah, 14,000, not 13, 14,140. So price has been stuck in that range. 20,000 is the all time high. The bottom of the range is somewhere around 3,100. And recently, in October, price broke out of this small range here. And the chart looks very bullish, very bullish. So what I have here is I have an uptrend going up and then pulls back, goes up, gets to resistance, pulls back to form a higher low. And now it's going up. So this is, let's say, going back all the way to 2015. That's, let's take that as the low. It forms a high in 2018. No, 2017 really. December 2017. And then forms a higher low somewhere in November 2018. And then forms a lower high, which started the range. That lower high was in July 2019, but it formed a higher low in March this year. And now it has taken out the lower high it formed in July 2019. So if I take the chart to begin from 2018, that's from here, So, what I can see here is I have a low, I have a high, I have a lower high, a lower low rather, and now a a higher high has been formed. I hope I said that correctly. A low in December 2018, a high swing high in June 2019, a higher low in March, and now we have formed a higher high. Now, how high is this going to go before it pulls back? That's what we're waiting to see. We're not that far off from 20,000. Perhaps we can take 20,000 out. If we take 20,000 out, that shows there's a lot of momentum. So if 20,000 is taken out, it's probably going to pull back to this level. That level is 14,000. That's the level I'm going to be watching. If price breaks above 20,000, if, big if, Big if now this is a pretty long term view. I'm not looking at small, short term price fluctuations. No. Let me clean up this chart so it looks a lot neater. Because right now it looks too cluttered. All right. If if I take if I ignore this. 2017 bull run to the all-time high. Ignore all of that. Start from that low in December 2018. That's the low. Price forms a swing high in July or June 2019. And then it forms a higher low in March 2020. Now we have formed a higher high November 2020. If this higher high continues and it takes out twenty twenty thousand, my pullback target will be fourteen thousand. This spot here. If we pull back there, then I'm expecting Bitcoin to go even higher than the swing high it forms when whenever it breaks twenty thousand. That's my long term view. That's my long term view. I don't want to look at it short term because Bitcoin is too volatile to view short term. And with all that is going on currently with the fiscal policies of the different countries, monetary policy, free money, gold is not performing, Bitcoin is one one asset to watch. Not just for, not just, uh, I was about to say something. Yeah, not just because of fiscal and monetary policies, but also because there is a, there is a move from electronic currencies to digital currencies. And this happens all the time. Just we're just fortunate to see it happening in our lifetime. Initially, we had um, butter. Okay, you have milk, I have eggs, we exchange mix milk for egg. That's the a system. And then somewhere along the line, I don't know what came next, we had this precious metals, gold, silver. And then from precious metals, we moved to paper currency. From Paper currency, we moved to electronic. That's what we do now with our credit cards and uh, online banking. And now we're moving to digital. China has already, um, Began some trials of its digital yuan. Sweden is going to announce its own soon. The EU, UK, everybody's going digital. So that is one of the driving forces behind this run in Bitcoin. So it's best to view it long term, not short term. That's my Bitcoin view. The US dollar, me. Take a long time. I can see this trend line here. This trend line all the way back. This is a weekly chart, all the way back from May 2011. So it looks like this. You can draw a trend line like that. But I'm not a big fan of diagonal trend lines. Not a big fan. But I can see the trend line. It's there. It looks like the index is bouncing off this trend line. There's a bounce here, May 2011, another one in August 2011, and then it bounced again in May 2014. It didn't really touch the trend line in February 2018, but got close. And then we had a touch in August 2020. And now again, we're testing that trend line again. So the question is, is this trend line going to hold, or do we see a breakout to the downside? i it's it's not it's not an easy question to answer. There's a lot of going by what we're seeing in the macro environment the dollar should be losing its value but whatever is going to cost the dollar to lose its value is also affecting other currencies all the central banks are doing the same thing they're all devaluing their currencies so this is not an easy one to, to to assess having said that i am long the u.s dollar it's just a small position because this to me looks like a base information. So we got this downtrend, and we have this divergence here between the index and the RSI and then bounced. It pulled back. Now we have tested this support. This support at 92. That's what we're doing. We're just testing support what happens will that support hold that's what i'm waiting to see now here we are at support we have tested it We're slightly above it now do we continue higher i keep saying we does the u.s dollar index continue higher or does it break down so i'm going to hold my small long position if the index breaks down below this 92 Level, then I'm going to close it. And on to SPY. Let's take a look at SPY. SPY is in a range. So there's the swing high back in September 2020. Price pulled back to support at 320 and then it bounced and then it pulled back to form a double bottom within that range. And now it has gone back up. It's testing, I'll say resistance at 359. I'm looking at the SPY, the ETF. So this is a range, but what is interesting here is the SPY has formed bearish divergence and that divergence has been I have shown that divergence with this white line you can see the swing sorry the all-time high or I should call it the prior high in September is lower than the all-time high in November 2020. That's the way it should be. So we have a high and then we formed a higher high. Okay. Now, the RSI, the RSI peak in September of the prior high is higher than the RSI, current RSI, or the RSI on the 9th of November. So, RSI, that is the momentum indicator, is forming a lower high. So the RSI is calling BS on this 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 move this move higher. RSI is saying no way. You're not going anywhere. Now it's the question is, has this divergence been confirmed? In a way, yes, because price gapped up, pulled back, and then it couldn't go any higher but it also didn't go any lower. So, it's not fully confirmed yet, but once price action does this, maybe we get two or three or four candle closes downwards, then this divergence becomes confirmed. So, I'm not so gung ho bullish on the SPY right now. That's the summary of that now let's move on to market breadth the spy is in a consolidation it has found bearish divergence time to assess the level of participation in the move now this is where it gets tricky this is the spy and this is the new york stock exchange and from what i'm seeing here There seems to be an advance taking place. It's not flat. It's not trending downwards. It's not really trending up. It's trending upwards slightly. So the resultant direction is upwards. That's for New York Stock Exchange. Stocks are advancing. However, the NASDAQ, well, this is slightly down. Let me use a different tool so I can draw a straight line. Okay, let's use this. Yeah, this is better. So, NASDAQ, the NASDAQ exchange stocks are, well, they're currently advanced in short term. But like using Dow theory, it's trending downwards. How about large caps? Large caps look very healthy, trending upwards mid caps very healthy trending upwards this is the cumulative advanced decline line small caps look healthy trending upwards so that's part what is taking place on the chart that is price action cumulative advanced decline looks like it's showing a lot of participation both in large caps mid caps and small caps That I find very interesting all right I'm gonna move on to percentage of stocks above the moving averages starting with 200 day moving average there is this is really interesting to watch the percentage of stocks above the 200 day moving average right now is greater than The percentage at the February peak—that's back in February this this year. Or let's not use February. Let's use yeah, yeah, January. Yeah, there were more stocks above the 20-day moving average in January than February. And we have more now than in January. 78% of New York Stock Exchange stocks are above the 20-day moving average in the nasdaq that's 66 when you break it down to the groups the percentages are even higher large caps 85 percent of stocks are above the 200 day moving average this is about the same percentage as we had back in january before the stock market sell-off in mid caps 84 percent. Higher than the percentage in January. Small caps, 74%. That shows that the market might be in a range. Well, it's not really the market, that's the SPY, and that's large caps. But there's a lot of stocks advancing, not only advancing, they're taking out the 20 day moving averages. And that's pretty good. That's pretty good. How about new highs and new lows? 56 new highs in the New York Stock Exchange. I said Friday, 98 in NASDAQ, even though NASDAQ is not doing well because of a rotation of capital out of tech stocks. In large caps, nine new highs, not that many. We had a huge amount of stocks forming new highs um, this is Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, Wednesday, on Monday. Mid caps 6, small caps 13. So this is all so very bullish. This is all, should all that result is showing that there is a high level of participation in whatever the trend is in the market now what how should i view the market as a whole i'm going to look at the wheelchair 5000 the completion index because spy is just large caps let's take a look at wheelchair 5000 it is a very very positive trend this is the wheelchair 5000 or 4500 it's a clear uptrend, higher highs and higher lows. So, the even though the SPY is in a range, the market as a whole is advancing. That's why the wheelchair 5000 is very important. SPY gives a very uh, narrow view of the market. But there is a warning sign to be aware of here this is the wheelchair 5000 higher highs so this line is trending upwards if i look at the rsi the peak in in september is higher than the peak in november there is divergence if you love chat patterns This is a rising wedge. You have two upward sloping trend lines and they are converging. Now, price action has formed one, two, three, four, five touches already. This is a high quality pattern. So it's expected that price this is the wheelchair 5,000 I'm looking at, will make its way down to this bottom trend line and most likely break out to the downside. If you want to know the, um, the performance of this pattern, you'll have to check the Encyclopedia of Chat Patterns. So that's a brief review of the market the past week and the coming week. This is a great point to stop and I will see you all next week.